Welcome to Hog Planet. Why, why attack Sanders? Why, 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 and I'm holding it down here in Brooklyn, trying to make sense of how the hell we're going to move forward here in a one versus one race. Yeah, so we're going to go through some of Joe's greatest hits, both in terms of his policy and his personal gaffes and weirdness that uh, we think are crucial for all of our, our for our argument that Joe Biden is not electable. And in fact, if you want to beat Trump in 2020. Bernie is the one you should support because he is a lot more electable than Joe Biden. Sam, it has come to this Bernie Biden. I mean, do we do we forget about Tulsi? She's there, but she's not really there. She's doing like an event in Nevada, I think this week or next week. It's like <laughs> caucus already happened. Yeah, uh, she is very noticeably left out of all the people who are like, oh, great. Now I have to pick between two septuagenarian white men. It's like, well, you could vote for Tulsi Gabbard if you really want to. Uh, did you say Gabbard? I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> That's classy. it. classy. Gabbard sounds nice, right? It's like a almost. It sounds French, a little like. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with the Indian pronunciation of her name. I just don't know that. Jean Luc Godard. Yeah. What are we looking at moving forward here? We have a Joe Biden Bernie Sanders race, a, a close race. The delegates. Uh, the spread is what, like sixty delegates? Yeah, and, and I think still, still some of them are rolling in since most of Bernie's are in California anyway, and it takes forever for them to record those. We just found out that the next debate is going to be like a sit-down town hall style, Ugh. and Bernie obviously isn't the one who made that happen. No, of course not. Uh, Biden will be reclining as he tries to remember talking points and tries to beat Bernie Sanders. And, of course, if you couldn't tell, this episode is going to be all about the the former senator, former vice president, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden. Robinette! Yes. A great middle name, honestly. I think the reality at this point is... People are tired of hearing about endless policy things with Biden. Uh, but let's just go through a shitty ass career. That guy from The Onion who wrote all those stories about, you know, like, ooh, Joe's just this guy on the lawn who's going to offer you a, a beer and a hit of the joint and, like, don't tell your mother. You know, like, that's such a fucking, like, bullshit characterization of a guy who is, like, infamously like a tough on crime sort of like conservative democrat yeah he describes himself and has for a long time as basically socially conservative uh early on he talked a lot about his you know catholic upbringing and how that influences his policy and did you see that interview where that guy from vice uh said that like he regretted creating that persona for joe biden that really allowed him to 
skate over his various, uh, you know, terrible uh, moments in his career and really created this persona for him that's not real. Yeah, I think I did. And I, I mean, it is something that has not aged well, especially since, you know, the Obama administration became kind of synonymous with drone strikes and deporting more people than any previous administration and tons of other like human rights abuses that are don't look good these days, especially since everyone is all about how Trump is doing all these unprecedented things. And unfortunately, we're forced to examine the fact that a lot of those were started at least by the Obama administration and the Obama administration in its expansion of power for the executive branch laid a lot of the groundwork for what Trump's been able to do unilaterally. So I think one mistake we can agree the Bernie Sanders campaign has made so far is not uh, just going on an all out offensive against uh, Biden's history of calling for cuts to social security uh, for the last 40 years. So yeah, we we are going to go into these policy. We're, we even though we want to talk about how Joe Biden, beyond how bad he is on policy, he is just inherently unelectable, and nominating him would be a massive risk that the Democrats would take, and it would almost surely guarantee Trump a second term. Whereas where our argument is that with Bernie, it is not such a guarantee that Trump would win another term against Biden. He absolutely fucking will, and like we're calling it right here. And, I mean, we drew a lot of our criticisms and a lot of the sources for this from a great current affairs piece, which is uh, written by Nathan Robinson about Joe Biden, which we will link to in the show notes. But a good starting place is the fact that Biden has repeatedly called for cuts to Social Security for nearly 40 years now. Uh, He basically only stopped when he was deciding that he was going to run for president this year. And, uh, I mean, going back to 1984, he proposed a freeze on Social Security. Uh, Here's a clip of him advocating cutting it in 1995. When I introduced the budget freeze years ago, the liberals of my party said, it's an awful thing you're doing, Joe. You are all the programs we care about. You're freezing them. Money for the blind, the disabled, education, and so on. And my argument then is one I make now, which is the strongest, most compelling reason to be for this, but this amendment or an amendment. And that is that if we don't do that, all the things I care most about are going to be gone. I mean, whatever happened to that old conservative discipline about paying for what you spend? I'm up for re-election this year, and I'm going to remind everybody what I did at home, which is going to cost me politically. I, when I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans' benefits. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. Somebody has to tell me in here how we're going to do this hard work without dealing with any of those sacred cows. And then again in 2007, Meet the Press asked him about the deficit, and Biden said that he would absolutely consider looking at programs and the age of eligibility uh, in terms of cutting them. So this is leading up to the Obama victory in 2008, like just before he's going to become 
Obama's running mate and then ultimately vice president. Again, in 2007, he also said, like just weeks from the Iowa caucus, that the American people know we have to fix Social Security. They know we can't grow our way to a solution. They know we're going to have to make some tough decisions. They're ready to make those decisions. They're ready to step up. We have to be ready to straightforwardly tell them what we're about to do. And of course, what he means is they're about to cut Social Security. Uh, and then again, as vice president, he was involved in many attempts to bargain with the wacko GOP, Mitch McConnell, Senate, and the Tea Partiers, who basically just wanted to not give Obama any legislative victories. Uh, he always wanted to like bargain with them by cutting Social Security. And then as recently as 2018, he was talking to the Brookings Institution, saying that Paul Ryan was correct when he did the tax code. Uh, he said, what's the first thing he decided to go after? Social Security and Medicare. Now we need to do something about Social Security and Medicare. That's the only way you can find room to pay for it. And he always phrases this as like, we've got to cut Social Security to save it. But like he's as we're going to go into, he's a bit of a useful idiot to these Republicans who their end goal is to just gut these programs regardless of balancing any budget or whatever. Like even if the ballot, the budget was perfectly balanced, we had zero deficit or whatever, they would still want to cut these programs because that's just their ideological bent. And that's what their donors are telling them to do. But Joe Biden, by trying to reach across the aisle in these ways and do this disastrous incrementalism is playing into their hands. And that comes up again and again. But in a one versus one race, this is a crucial distinction that we can talk about, you know, to anyone we know who cares about Social Security, which are probably most, you know, of your average voters probably care about Social Security. This is a crucial distinction in a one versus one race with Biden and Sanders. I mean, you can't you can't argue that Sanders ever argued to cut entitlements like this. No, not not once, really. But uh Unfortunately, Biden and Sanders did vote both vote on the crime bill in 1994, which Joe Biden largely authored. And um, we'll get into Bernie's reasons for voting for it. But let's just go into what the crime bill called for. Um, when it passed, Biden bragged that, quote, the liberal wing of the Democratic Party, unquote, was now for 60 new death penalties, 70 enhanced penalties, 100,000 cops, 125,000 new state prison cells. The bill also created harsher prison sentences at the federal level and encouraged states to do the same by providing funds for states to build prisons, pay 100,000 additional cops, and it also created grant programs that encouraged police officers to carry out more drug-related uh, arrests. For all the, like, Bernie's not a Democrat talk, Biden spent a long time well in, early on in his career he was very adamant that he was not I'm, i ain't no democrat yep but i think that as he moved towards accepting that label he just like pulled it more to the right no he absolutely joe biden absolutely spent a lot of his time capitulating to Republicans and compromising with them. And I mean, as we said earlier, Sanders did vote for the crime bill. But one thing about the crime bill that's really weird is that they bundled a ton of stuff in there. The Violence Against Women Act and the assault weapons ban were both part of the bill. And Bernie, although he did vote in favor of the bill so that we could get the Violence Against Women Act and the assault weapons ban, he uh, did denounce it and gave this speech to the Senate, which we'll play here. Mr. Speaker, it is disturbing that the death of Nicole Simpson, a tragedy affecting the rich and the famous, should be necessary to force us to take notice of the horror of domestic violence. 
Mr. Speaker, 80% of homicides in Vermont involve domestic partners or family members. All, all of the six women slain in Vermont during 1993 died at the hands of an intimate partner or a family member. Nationally, three out of every 10 women who are victims of homicide were murdered by a spouse or an intimate partner, and every 15 seconds, a woman is battered by her husband or a boyfriend. Mr. Speaker, we have 17 programs in Vermont that work with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault, and 92% of the people who provide those services are volunteers. These volunteers, most of whom are women, are doing an extraordinary job in counseling and supporting the victims of domestic violence. But they need help. Mr. Speaker, I have a number of serious problems with the crime bill. But one part of it that I vigorously support is the Violence Against Women Act. We urgently need the $1.8 billion in this bill to combat the epidemic of violence against women on the streets and in the homes of America. But yeah, uh, bundling these things together is kind of a Biden, uh, it's a Biden trademark. The idea that he can get all of these, I guess, you know, onerous, like right wing policy provisions pushed through by bundling to get them together with things that Democrats traditionally want. And I mean, as we'll see, it gets pretty cynical. But historically, um, the the crime bill itself was meant to combat the idea that Democrats were soft on crime. This is after Dukakis lost the presidency in 1988 to George Bush Sr. Uh, George Bush, if you'll remember, used advertisements about Willie Horton and claimed that the Democrats were soft on crime. And uh, of course, it doesn't matter. Like, there's no way to change the perception that Democrats are soft on crime. The GOP, uh, once the crime bill had been passed, they pledged to pass tougher laws as they sought to retake the House in 1994, saying that the crime bill didn't go far enough. And the crime bill also, for what it's worth, did not clean up the cities or really, it didn't even really cause mass, mass incarceration. Both were irreversible trends by that point, but it definitely encouraged the continued march towards mass incarceration. Since most people are incarcerated on the state level, not the federal level, the states did mass incarceration all on their own and really didn't need the help. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, federal prisons did in increase quite a bit in the amount of people that they had at that time. And it just coincides with the fact that state prisons and uh, local jails also saw uh, skyrocketing numbers of inmates. So it's, it's part of like what of that problem, even though it didn't necessarily unilaterally cause that problem. Yeah. And then just that tough on crime attitude is definitely shown in his drug policies uh, such as the Drug Abuse Acts of 86 and 88, he doesn't think George Bush at that time is going hard enough in the war on drugs. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And uh, the, the bill, in, the, that Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986 is what created the infamous uh, disparity in sensing between crack and cocaine. Under that law, someone would need to possess 100 times the amount of powder cocaine to be eligible for the same mandatory minimum sentence as for crack. And, uh, I mean, the rest is history as far as that goes, as far as its impact on, uh, you know, poor communities, inner-city communities, the black community, etc. Um, that, that 
itself did so much damage. He, Biden's also responsible. In 1984, he he uh, was he worked with segregationist Str- Senator Strom Thurmond uh, of South Carolina to expand federal drug trafficking penalties and civil asset forfeiture, which allowed police to seize. You know, here that means steal personal property without having to prove that the person they stole it from is guilty of anything, which is just great. <laughs> And didn't he like cry and like say like Strom Thurmond was a hero at his funeral? Absolutely, yeah. And that's what Biden's talking about when he says, "Oh, I re- I use I have a career of like reaching across the aisle." It's like, yes, you have a career of capitulating to Republicans about the worst fucking things possible, <laughs> and with the worst Republicans possible. Yeah, and you'll find if you do any sort of research into Joe Biden's like history. He definitely just changes depending on what room he's in. Like, he just wants to be loved and respected across the aisle and, like, in his own party. We'll get into the campaign, but I just think his tactic of of when he gets questioned by individual voters, like, he definitely, like, goes into this defensive, uh, you know, and then often he's said to individual voters in this campaign, like, oh, you vote for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. All of his civility with other politicians does not necessarily trickle down to when he's talking to constituents on the campaign trail or, you know, future constituents, he he would hope, and tells them, yeah, to go vote for Bernie Sanders or tells challenges them to push up contests or whatever the fuck he's going to do. But so when you look at Ukraine, you look at Iraq, his record on war is pretty shitty, too. Yeah, he he did vote for the Iraq War. Uh, He multiple times repeated the myth that Saddam Hussein had WMDs. He called for military action against Hussein starting in like 1998, years before the Iraq War started. He also voted for the Patriot Act, uh, going as far as claiming that he had actually called for similar measures before 9-11, and those never passed. So, like... He could have. He was willing to do all that, sh- all that crazy post nine eleven hysteria stuff on his own before nine eleven even fucking happened. And I don't think we can ignore his carrying water for the credit card companies in and various uh, shady corporations in Delaware, which you know we all know. We all know the purpose of Delaware, folks. I know some great people there, but. Some shady business dealings going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, basically, every bank saves a ton of money by uh, having headquarters in Delaware. Tons of most corporations are incorporated in Delaware because it has very lax corporate, uh, you know, corporate laws. And either way, I mean, Biden has represented that for that uh, state for a long time, and uh, he's taken a boatload of cash from. Basically, every possible corporate donor, we're going to attach his opensecrets.org list of contributors over his career to the show notes so you can see exactly what kind of corporations uh, are lining Joe Biden's pockets to the tunes of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars per donor over his career. And uh, I mean, Joe Biden also voted for Reagan's budgets, which drastically cut federal programs for health, education and social services. Yeah, no, not a, not a friend of ours in terms of dealing with corporate America. All right, and then we have to talk about Anita Hill, of course. Yes. Obviously, she, in the early 1990s, uh, accused uh, Supreme Court Justice, uh, then nominee Clarence Thomas, of sexual harassment. And what happened with Joe Biden's reaction? Now, Joe Biden has said that he has regret for what she endured 
Uh, he actually said that days before he announced his current run for pres- the presidency. But so at that time, Joe Biden was the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he basically like pushed off the the hearings and didn't take them seriously and was way too deferential to Republicans. Um, one of the top lawyers on Biden's Senate staff at the time was this person, Cynthia Hogan. Um, she has admitted in the past to the Washington Post that, quote, what happened is we got really politically outplayed by the Republicans. She went on to explain that they came with a purpose, and that purpose was to destroy Anita Hill. Democrats did not coordinate and they did not prepare for battle. This, If this sounds familiar to you, I mean, this is basically what has been the story of Senate dealings for decades now is the Democrats really not understanding that they're here to play ball and the Republicans showing up ready to, you know, for fucking war. And so basically the aide who investigated the claim, Anita Hill's claim for Joe Biden did not even call Anita Hill. Instead, uh, Biden's office waited for, for her to contact his office. After talking to her, the aide declined to act on her allegations unless she agreed to let Joe Biden's office bring it up to Clarence Thomas directly and disclose her name to him, which obviously she did not want. She Her accusations were that he had—obviously there's the um, the pubic hair on the soda can th- comment, but then also that he would describe—he asked her out endlessly. He, like, described to her what kind of porn he likes and would brag about his own sexual pow- prowess repeatedly, like, thoroughly disgusting stuff. But uh, basically, once the story got around and uh, Clarence Thomas categorically denied it rather than acknowledging a misunderstanding, which is what Biden was expecting him to do. Like, again, Biden has a child brain and doesn't understand that Republicans always double down, even though he's dealt with them for years by his own admission. He doesn't know how they work. He was expecting Clarence Thomas to be like, oh, yeah, there was that thing with her. I'll apologize for it or something. But clearly he did not do that. So after Biden got the news that Thomas was categorically categorically denying Hill's accusations, he said, quote, I believe there are certain things that are not an issue at all, and that is his character. This is about what he believes. Uh, I know my colleagues will refrain, and I urge everyone else to refrain from personalizing this battle. Which makes no fucking sense because it's literally about his personal dealings and his character. It's about the fact that he made all these fucked up comments and all these fucked up advances to a woman who worked under him at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Like, it's insane. (laughs) Well, there's just every effort to normalize what Thomas uh, did and, you know, try to say that uh, this broad's lying or, you know, who cares... This happens all the time. It's fine. Like, we don't need to hear more. Like, let's just get this over with. And it's like, all for the sake of this fucking, like, Republican justice. It's weird. Exactly. And, I mean, no matter what Joe Biden says now, Clarence Thomas and his wife, not that they're the the most trustworthy people out there, but both of them have said that Biden called them after Biden reviewed the FBI reports and told them he thought there was no merit to her accusations. Uh, I mean, whether or not this is true, it shows how staying neutral in this situation is just a handout to the aggressor, who in this case is Thomas. Uh, Biden also opposed reopening Thomas's confirmation hearing once the allegations went public, which, as we said, happened in spite of his office's actions. Basically, the allegations became a rumor that leaked 
to the press. Um, presiding over the hearing, Biden allowed the Republicans to prevent witnesses to Thomas's character from outside the workplace from testifying and allowed them to convince him that Rangela Wright, who was another woman who worked for Thomas at the EEOC, would not hold up as a witness. This also went for her for uh, Anita Hill's corroborator, Rose Jordan, as well as Tukari Hardnett, who are not allowed to submit de- depositions. And which went into public records so late that most senators did not even see them. And Biden said nothing when Orrin Hatch and every other Republican psychopath accused Hill of basing her allegations on scenes from the from the movie The Exorcist. Like the the level to which the Republicans went to debase and uh, you know decry Anita Hill's character are just absurd. And he allowed all of that, but would not allow Hill's witnesses to like come up and corroborate her stories, which is just completely nuts in my opinion yeah she got a quite a raw deal and uh, was completely just uh disrespected by joe biden throughout that process and i think we can all agree he is not adequately answered for it i mean bernie's asked to fucking apologize for every fucking bullshit thing he said but biden is just this career of just awful legislation awful conduct when dealing with you know this this hearing i mean what like like what has he apologized for yeah but i mean bernie had yeah he's always forced to show that he does not hate women whereas biden multiple times in his career has showed that he seems to have some kind of weird disregard for women and what they go through well not to mention you know the kissing and touching Ugh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the endless amounts. Of, I mean, we'll get into more, that more with the gaffes later on, but his en- the endless pictures of him, like, straddling or putting his hands on the shoulders of women. or like, that, like biker young- woman? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, like, kissing young girls. Even, like, his, young- his granddaughter recently, like, on the mouth and stuff. Just really gross. I mean, the only thing he's cozier with than random women is uh, fellow Republicans. Like, by- as we said, he... Joe Biden voted for many of Reagan's proposals, but he's also personally praised Dick Cheney and George W. Bush. Uh, he has recently proudly touted the fact that he's endorsed by Mike Bloomberg, who is a former racist, Republican, mayor, oligarch, Jeffrey Epstein associate, person is accused of sexual harassment, and even a personal friend of Donald Trump. And Joe Biden has even gone as far as to say that he would not mind picking a Republican running mate. Just... Ugh. Like he's all these people are trying to say that like Biden is an improvement over Trump. And I'm like, he seems like he kind of wants to be a Republican. I I don't know. Yeah. Would he pick a Republican Supreme Court justice? Apparently. I mean, I mean, Obama basically almost did that with Merrick Garland, but the Republicans didn't let him do that either way because the Obama like school of compromise, which is I mean, you could say is the Obama Biden school of compromise is really just a handout to the right wing because they just don't understand the rules of engagement, apparently, despite the fact that they always talk about how we need, you know, bipartisanship and we know how to get things done and stuff. I'm like, OK, but it doesn't translate into any actual victories for our side ever. And as far as Biden go- goes with, you know, the idea that Bernie is such an anti-woman candidate, but Biden is not uh, is really ridiculous. Number one, Bernie's not anti-woman by any measure, but Biden is anti-woman by a large measure. Biden supported the he- the Hyde Amendment from the 1970s until literally June 2019. Right, once again, right before he announced that he was running for president, uh, he announced that dur- which he announced during a uh, 
forum for presidential candidates held by Planned Parenthood in South Carolina. That was like the first time he reversed his position on the Hyde Amendment, which was originally passed in 1976, three years after Roe v. Wade. It prohibits the use of federal funds for abortions, except in cases where the mother would be endangered. Uh, under the Clinton administration, this was expanded to allow federal funding to be used in cases of rape and incest. But Biden went as far as to say that the Supreme Court had gone too far with Roe v. Wade. And in 1974, he even said that women shouldn't have the, quote, sole right to say what should happen to her body, unquote. Yeah, it's not great. I saw the take from certain liberal writers that Bernie bringing these up on the campaign trail doesn't help him. Now, do you think, like, unpacking that a little bit, like, is it going to change the people's minds so we have to change to suggest that Biden was against abortion rights? I don't know. It's hard. Like, I do think Bernie needs to go on the offensive. I can see how this would... It almost looks like a tacit admission that Bernie has a woman problem if he is going to say, like, I don't have a woman problem. Joe Biden has a woman problem. It, it, it almost I can see the rationale that it is better for Bernie to tout his own successes, with, you know, and his own advocacy for women's rights. But I think maybe for us, his supporters and maybe his surrogates, we can get nasty on Joe Biden. And I think that this these quotes are so long ago that a lot of people don't even know they exist. I mean, if Bernie had ever in his life ever said anything close to saying that women don't have the right to say what happens to their own body at any point in his career, we would hear about it endlessly. You know, you're right. If Bernie's past constantly continues to define him, then we're not just going to forget about Biden's past because he has... And also, like, forgotten, like, what like what day it is. And, like, you know. No, absolutely. Get Biden to draw a clock. <laughs> I mean, and, and it goes on from there. I mean, Biden in 1981 proposed the Foreign Assistance Act, which is still in effect today, which barred the use of U.S. aid for medical research on abortion. And he supported Ronald Reagan's global gag rule, which prevented the U.S. from funding NGOs offering or advising on reproductive health care if they also offer abortion. Trump went ahead and revived that gag rule in 2017, which I remember to being announced to much uh, you know, hand-wringing from people from with good reason. It's a very bad thing, but it's something that Biden supported. And so how are we supposed to believe that Biden is like this great alternative to Donald Trump if he seems to support most of the same things that Trump supports? In, in, in 1982, Biden joined Republicans to support a constitutional amendment that allowed in, that would allow individual states to overturn Roe v. Wade, which, thank God, that never passed. But again, like, how can we say that Biden is the pro-woman candidate between Bernie and, and him? It makes no fucking sense. It's all just based on, like, emotion and, like... And that's also why it is ridiculous to see all these, like... Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, these like strong women politics Democrats like and co- come around and endorse this. No, it's it's awful. It's clearly you're endorsing the establishment rather than the individual, which, you know, we can that's a that's a political, you know, that's a political question about coalitions and whatever that's more complicated than just this, but it does kind of hurt they're progressive bona fides if they're throwing their support behind this guy who has all this shit in his closet, which we will go into. And I mean, 
you know, the one woman who's so far in the in the race who has not endorsed him yet, Elizabeth Warren, actually wrote a New York Times op-ed in May 2002 against Joe Biden. Uh, this was during the debate over a controversial bill that would dismantle protections for families under the U.S. bankruptcy code. Uh, Biden voted alongside Republicans on most of the bill's stipulations, but he managed to dress it up as pro-women's rights because it would include an amendment that would stop abortion protesters from using bankruptcy protection to avoid damages that they would otherwise have to pay for violating federal laws during clinic protests that turned violent. The argument was that because it's going to make it harder for these people to use bankruptcy to avoid paying damages. It's therefore a victory for women, which excludes the fact that Elizabeth Warren goes into in depth in her article, which we will link to, that a lot of times women declare bankruptcy. Like a lot of times women who are leading their, who are the head of their household end up declaring bankruptcy. There are lots of like economic and structural like obstacles for women who need to support their families on their own. And this obviously hurts them greatly and he's only doing this because he's as we said a rep from Del from delaware and basically all of his donors are like credit card companies or banks or law firms or something i mean it's really fucked up again the endless touching of women <laughs> i think we have to acknowledge it's not not a problem for him like how can you ignore all of these like i remember that was one of the first things people at work who might have been like neutral were like saying about biden was like oh did you see that youtube compilation of like the 200 times he's like massaged someone or sniffed a woman's hair yeah i definitely early on thought this was going to be a disqualifying thing but again apparently not apparently people are willing to blow past it or write it off as like this is what all old white grandfathers are like but Biden himself addressed this. He said, quote, I'm sorry I didn't understand more. I'm not sorry for any of my intentions. I'm not sorry for anything I've ever done. And he went on to say that he has, quote, never been disrespectful intentionally to a man or a woman. <laughs> like the hubris you need to say, like, I'm not sorry for anything I've ever done. When we just went through all this fucked up shit that he's done is just... I don't know. It's it's Trumpian, honestly. Like it's something Donald Which Trump would say. When you say you're not sorry for anything, or you know, you think you've never made a mistake, what you're saying is, I might do all this shit again. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. And he shows no intention of not doing it. No, which brings us into the next section here. Joe Biden is not electable. Guaranteed suicide lost to Donald Trump. Like. I'm not saying 50 states, but damn near uh, close. No, I mean, we're not fans of, you know, Senate, former Senator Hillary Clinton on this show or anything. But I'm willing to admit that she is twice the candidate, multiple times the candidate that Joe Biden is. Joe Biden is like the worst of John Kerry and Al Gore wrapped up into a loudmouth gaff, like gaff machine that as we will describe, is showing signs of severe cognitive decline. So, before we get to that, you know we've talked about on this show, we had a whole episode, I think it was our last episode before our, our uh, several-month hiatus, about fucking Hunter Biden and the Ukraine and Burisma. Like, Lindsey Graham is already suggesting they're going to ramp up hearings about that. Are you ready to fucking hear about Hunter nonstop for months 
and on the way to Biden losing this election? Are we going to pretend that this that are we going to pretend that it's a nothing nothing to see here and b that Trump is not going to just endlessly whether it's hypocritical or not considering how, you know, his children are, you know, uh handed uh vanity positions all the time, but this obviously is going to be a liability for Biden. Yeah, the Burisma Holdings thing is greasy. I mean, being paid $50,000 a month to sit on the largest national gas provider in a, you know, highly unstable and corrupt state that is Ukraine in like 2016. I mean, it's bad and there's no good way to spin it. There's he can do all the arguing away, but you can't really prove a negative. You can't prove that there's nothing wrong there. And to all observers with any kind of impartial lens, there is a lot of weird shit there that makes no sense. But beyond Burisma, Hunter Biden himself is just a hot... Like, we went into a little bit of it. Like, his his love life, his multiple children out of wedlock, and, like, he's just a hot mess. He's going to dominate gossip columns all the time. I work, like, three blocks away from the strip club that Hunter Biden went to and smoked crack at while, like, getting them the strippers to, like, shove dildos up his... Like, we're going to be hearing this endlessly. And, you know, no kink-shaming of Hunter Biden, but... If we're talking about what is electable, quote unquote, this is not fucking fit that definition. No, and I think we can see a pattern here where Joe uh, definitely doesn't really, you know, consider the ramifications of not intervening to tell Hunter not to take that, you know, vanity board seat at the Ukrainian natural gas company or whatever it was. Um, You know, Joe's judgment sucks. Um, and also what is this, can we, can we debunk this argument about the fear that, you know, Bernie's going to fracture the party or something or like, like you, you, you had this article from black agenda report. Yeah. I, I did want to like be sensitive to the fear that a lot of people, especially from like marginalized communities who depend on the Democrats and see the Democratic Party as like their party and like the only thing keeping them from the depravity of the Republicans, which to a large extent is true for a lot of people. And, you know, Dan and I are speaking from plenty of, you know, privilege of like if I feel like my life's not going to change that much if Trump gets another term, it will not be good. And Bernie's I think a Bernie term would improve my life in a lot of ways. And I'm I mean, I'm not unwilling to say that by a Biden term would be a small improvement over Trump. But number one, I don't think Biden's going to win. And number two, I don't think Bernie's actually going to sever the party. I do want to be sympathetic to that fear. But I mean, if you look at what happened to the Republicans, they're sort of stronger than ever after we all thought that Trump was going to rip the GOP apart. It seems like the forces that are going to rip the Democrats apart are is not it's not Bernie Sanders or his coalition. It's the establishment that is trying to like they would rather beat Bernie than beat Trump. And that's what they're doing with like having all these other people drop out, you know, Booty Judge and Klobuchar uh, and all those people drop out and support Biden like they're all they've all been called to rally around I've heard it described as the the establishment Voltron with like Joe Biden as the head I mean they're all doing this it's not to win it's real it really isn't I don't think that they genuinely think that 
Biden will win. And that's why they're doing all this stuff, like having the sit down debates to hide the fact that Biden is displaying just immense cognitive decline. I mean, he, his most recent rally, which we'll describe later on, he spoke for seven minutes in St. Louis. I mean, it's clear that they don't they don't care. They're the ones who are going to fracture the party because if they if if Bernie gets rat fucked or if you expect all these young people to turn out the way they turned out for Bernie for Joe Biden, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think it is handing a victory to Donald Trump. And it is also risking the fact that a lot of young people uh, of all races and all creeds are really going to like see the Democratic Party as not representing their interests, and it might hurt their constituency for years to come. So I do think that I, under, I understand the fear that, you know, Bernie would call, has, is causing this division, but at the end of the day, it's really not Bernie who has the power to act on that division. It's the establishment that is willing to rip the party in half and basically chew off their own leg to get out of the situation where they are going to have to nominate Bernie Sanders if they want to beat Trump. And let's just talk about Biden's just fucking egregious history of lies. Recently, he obviously has been running around saying he was imprisoned in South Africa because he was trying to see Nelson Mandela in prison. Never happened. Not true. Um, Also, he said that one time when he was younger and his black friend wasn't allowed to eat at a diner that him and his friends like got up and left. And that was also just a complete lie. Just completely not true. Yeah. Um, He is. He made up all these stories about like protesting segregation or apartheid. He even said regarding the South Africa story that he was arrested on the streets of Soweto in Johannesburg for attempting to visit Nelson Mandela in prison. Nelson Mandela was not in prison in Johannesburg, like nowhere near where Joe Biden claims have been arrested for trying to force his way into Mandela's prison cell or whatever. And it's the you can tie this back to the way Biden talks in the debates. He kind of just acts like he's been this. He's like, well, I've been fighting for this for, for my whole life. Like he always says that about every issue, but it's not true. He just pretends that he was, but in reality, he was usually a you know either just not there, not vocal, or you know part of a, a an opposition. Yeah, I mean, he he makes up stories about protesting segregation, but this is someone who literally opposed busing when they when integrating schools was an issue. So, I mean, take what you will from that, but I mean, even when Joe Biden is not just outright lying like that, he doesn't make any fucking sense, which is something that anyone who has seen any of his debate performances or recent speeches can attest to. Uh, Of course, Biden's doctor, this guy Kevin C. O'Connor, who is the director of executive medicine at George Washington University Medical Faculty Associates, did release a three-page medical report saying that Biden is healthy. Uh, But crucially, this does not include a cognitive functioning test. And don't give me any shit about the fucking uh, stutter. Yeah, it's not about the stutter. (laughs) Come on. Which he uh, supposedly developed in like the last year. Like when has he shown that he has a stutter before recently? You can look up like stuff from him talking in like 2016 and he's... He speaks very clearly relatively relative to now. There's a noticeable decline in the past year or so. Yeah, and you can pretend that it's not happening and you cannot make him give a formal cognitive functioning test to himself, but we all can see what's happening in front of our eyes. 
he can barely fucking string a sentence together. Like you said, he did seven minutes in St. Louis. Bernie's doing hours of these fucking rallies every day in different cities. Yep. The fact that Joe is not even going on TV to do long interviews, doesn't that speak to the fact that he's not up to this? And maybe this is a long game for the DNC just to spike Sanders because and like knowingly and they don't act, there is there is no pretense that Joe is going to win. They know they can fundraise off of Donald Trump and keep their you know being able to give their nephews cushy consulting jobs in Washington. They don't want to lose that power way more than they don't want to see Donald Trump get reelected. No, I definitely agree with that interpretation. It is they're playing the long game. They're they are absolutely willing to risk a second term of Donald Trump as long as it doesn't cause the um, you know the upheaval that having a Sanders nomination would cause. But I mean, it, it's just really ridiculous. Like you said, anyone can notice what is going on with Joe Biden's brain. And I mean, when you compare that to like you said, Bernie Sanders. I mean, I saw Bernie Sanders at his rally in Springfield, Virginia, about a week ago. And yeah, he spoke for over an hour. And not only that, he had just flown down from Boston where he spoke to a crowd of like 12,000 people and where he spoke for, again, like over an hour. And I don't know, these things are like basically rock concerts in terms of like the tone. Like when you show up, people are, are raring to see, like people are energized. It's all about the stage presence of the people who speak and how much they can fire up the crowd. And Bernie is rocking crowds of, I think in Springfield, Virginia, it was like, it was thousands of people. I think it might've been as as much as 10,000 people in Boston, like over 10,000 people. Whereas Biden's most recent rally had something like a couple hundred people, like under a thousand people. And he spoke for, like you said, seven minutes. I mean, it just really doesn't stand up, but this did not stop this guy, Stuart J. Olshansky, professor of public health at university of Illinois, in Chicago, who apparently specializes in analyzing the longevity of presidents, he went out and said, quote, the only test that hasn't been done is the cognitive functioning test. But the fact that Biden is on the campaign trail and meeting a rigorous travel and meeting schedule probably would suffice as a replacement for the formal test for cognitive functioning. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Like, if that's the test, then he's failing the test. We can all see that he's fucking, like, unable to string words together, is unable to remember things like Barack Obama's name and stuff like that. He is failing that test if we're going to consider that that suffices as a replacement for a standard cognitive functioning test. Like, give me a fucking break. All right. I I think that now what I want to do is just run through the greatest hits of... Joe's weird or just inexplicable sundowning moments on the campaign trail. Um, Okay, first, the speech where he talks about having hairy legs as a lifeguard uh, at a, I guess it was like a black swimming pool in Delaware. Yeah, Wilmington, Delaware, yeah. All right, and this is when he starts talking about this guy, you know, a real real thuggish character named Corn Pop, as, uh, as Joe says. I learned, I learned a lot, and I learned that uh, it makes a difference. This was the diving board area, and I was one of the guards, and there were a lot of, it was a three-meter board, 
and you fell off sideways, you landed on the damn, uh, the darn cement over there. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did, yeah, he, and back in those days, to show how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. Well, he came off, and he said, I'll meet you outside. My car, this was mostly, these were all public housing behind it. My car, there was a gate out here. I parked my car outside the gate. And I, he said, I'll be waiting for you. He was waiting for three guys in straight razors. Not a joke. There was a guy named Bill Wright, Mouse, the only white guy, and he did all the pools. He was the mechanic. And I said, what am I going to do? He said, come down here in the basement where mechanics, where, where, where all the pool f f filter is. You know, the chain, there used to be a chain that went across the deep end. And he cut off a six-foot length of chain. He folded up. He said, you walk out with that chain. And you walk to the car and say, you may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. I said, you kidding me. He said, no, if you don't, don't come back. And he was right. So I walked out with the chain. And I walked up to my car. And they had, they, those days, you used to remember the straight race, you'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a rain barrel, get them rusty. And I looked at them, but I was smart then. I said, first of all, I said, when I tell you to get off the board, you get off the board, and I'll kick you out again. But I shouldn't have called you, Esther Williams. I apologize for that. I apologize, but I didn't know that apology was going to work. He said, you apologize to me? I said, I apologize for that, not for throwing you out, but I apologize for what I said. He said, okay, close the straight razor, and my heart began to beat again. <laughs> I got hairy legs. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, well, hang on, let's add in the hairy legs clip as well, because that's just pure bliss right here. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand. And it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight, and then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Wow. <laughs> like Corn Pop was a real guy, though. Apparently, Corn Pop was a real guy, but I highly doubt that like Biden came after him with a chain or like like if you just listen to that story, it sounds like he's making it up on the spot or it's some vague misremembering or I, I don't know. Either way, it doesn't sound like it, it sounds like Grandpa Simpson in The Simpsons. It doesn't sound like something that someone who's in control of all their functions would describe, especially not to like, there are like kids on the, the like standing by him at the podium. He's talking about like getting in a fight with a guy with a chain and a switchblade and stuff. It's so weird. Well, and how kids would play with his leg hair is weird. Yeah. I love kids sitting on my lap, but uh, uh, speaking of how he talks about kids, let's yeah. listen to the quote about how he suggests that black people and their kids are not, learning as many words because they they don't keep a record player on at night <laughs> roll the clip we have make sure that every single child does in fact have 
three, four, and five-year-olds go to school, school, not daycare, school. We bring social workers into homes and parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't, want, they don't know quite what to do. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. A kid coming from a very poor school, a, a very poor background, will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there. There's Thank so you, much. I don't even need to, like, that's, I think that's like a, a kind of like a racist, like, myth. That seems like a dumb, like a weird ass statistic that he misheard on npr or something that makes no sense i mean his prescription for it to like leave he says to leave the tv on but then he corrects himself and it's like oh actually just leave the record player on it doesn't make any sense yeah and also it's like in, in why is he talking about record players in like 2019 i mean not, you know i have a, i have a record player but that's because i'm cool <laughs> well you should leave it on all night so that you can hear lots of words uh <laughs> Okay, in this line to Anderson Cooper, uh, let's drop it in. The more they understand it. Remember, Anderson, back 15, 20 years ago, we talked about this in, in, in San Francisco. It was all about, well, you know, gay, gay, gay bathhouses. And it's all about round-the-clock sex. It's all, come on, man. Gay couples are more likely to stay together longer than heterosexual couples. 15 years ago, San Francisco, it's all about gay bathhouses and round-the-clog sex. He says this to a gay gay man, Anderson Cooper, which is, you know, it's, like, like, it's just like a bizarre thing to say on live TV. Yeah, clearly Cooper is, is taken aback. It's, it's funny how he's like, yeah, remember this, Anderson, Anderson? Remember when you were doing all these, like, bathhouses? <laughs> it's, it's like what he seems to be suggesting there, but... Either way, I, I don't know. I, I think the point he's trying to make is that, like, uh, you know, gay couples aren't, like, any more deviant than straight couples. But, you know, even if they were, like, having sex round the clock, they should still be allowed to do that. I don't know. Like, who cares? Like, but straight again, couples imagine if Bernie said that. Yeah. Like, uh, Biden gets such a pass for being a weirdo. Absolutely. I think we also have to shout out the moment when his dentures completely fell out on uh, TV during one of the earlier debates. I kind of liked that visual of him just sucking them back in. Yeah, he had a pretty... uh, It seemed like it was not the first time that it had happened to him. He sort of had like the muscle memory to be like, whoop, and like quickly get them back in, which, I mean, that is some pro shit, but... I will say it looks like in the most recent debates they have him like stapled to the top and bottom of his mouth so they don't move around so much. Definitely Trumpian. Yeah, it does remind me of how um, Trumpian, but also with FDR, how they uh, went to great lengths to conceal the fact that he was like wheelchair bound in all of his campaign experiences. Which I mean, we can that's a different debate, but with Joe Biden, it's like you know FDR was already president and like. FDR also had a broad policy prescription that made sense. So I, I'm a little more willing to excuse that than like Joe Biden, who, as we established, doesn't really stand for anything other than capitulating to Republicans. And uh, they're hiding all this from us in the Internet age when like we can all just plainly see these clips like they think we're fucking stupid or something. So we all saw the clip where he forgot Obama's name. Let's play it. Look, we provide a Medicare option. That's exactly what Rock and I talked about in the beginning. Couldn't get it through, though. Because now you say, by the way, 
Are you going to stick with the president on the following president, the last guy on this issue? And just start naming them, whatever it is. Invaded another country and annexed a significant portion of it called Crimea. Right. He's saying that it was president, my boss, it was his fault. And how about when he forgot the, was it the Declaration of Independence? Yep. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by, go, you know the, you know the thing. You know the thing. He forgot the difference between his wife and his sister after his big win on Super Tuesday. By the way, it's my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is the, oh, you switched on me. This is my wife. This is my sister. They switched on me. I love this one where he says we need to get to 100% emissions. <laughs> Yeah, he clearly just reading, like, got words mixed up, reading off of, like, his description of whatever he's doing for climate change and clean energy, <laughs> just completely whiffing it. So we can make sure we get to where we need to be net zero, 100% emissions, 100% clean energy, at the latest by 2050. He also uh, said, I'm Joe Biden, I'm running for Senate, <laughs> which... You know, muscle memory, but also like, are you senile? How do you Think not catch senile. yourself? How do you not catch yourself saying that? Oh. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? All right, this is also, this is a, one of the weirder ones. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lion, dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. You're a lion, dog-faced pony soldier, which people tried to find what quote that was, you know, what movie that quote was from, but they couldn't he find said, it. They said he was quoting a movie, but I'm like, what is the movie in which someone is called a dog-faced pony soldier? <laughs> What do any of those words mean on their own? Why are you telling like a young woman that she looks like has a dog face? Like, what are you doing? I think they alleged it was from a John Wayne movie, but no one could figure out what movie. This is probably like the most funny, but also just like, what are you doing, Joe? Let's play it. You're a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has heard that. No. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and 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 no, let, 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know, and I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on? Let's do push-ups together, here, man. Let's do. Let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take another pizza. Number, number two. Number two. No one has said my son has done anything wrong, and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not I didn't once. say you were doing anything wrong. I you said, said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? I Get your word straight, Jack. That's but I, you're on, the, on MSNBC. You don't hear that on MSNBC. You did not hear that at all. What you heard? Look, okay, I'm not going to get an argument, you man. Well, yeah, you do. But, uh, but look, fat, look, here's the deal. So this guy's asking Joe legitimate questions about, you know, if he's going to, you know, be electable and 
to Biden suddenly just is like, look fat. <laughs> look fat. Like calling the man fat. And then challenge and then, him to a push-up contest. Yeah, a push-up contest. Like, Joe, what are you doing? I do have no doubt in my mind that Joe fat? Biden can do the most push-ups of anyone running in 2020. But he does them extremely slowly. So it takes him like an hour to do 50. But he won't stop. People are like, all right, sir, you proved your point. And he's like, nope, I got a few left in me. And he just keeps going for it. Are any others? Uh, yeah, I mean, recently he said, like, we can't win this re-election. Like, we, are, we no. have to re-elect Trump or something. Like, just obviously it's a gaffe. But, I mean, Trump is making hay of this. Let's play the clip. You want a nominee who will bring this party together, who will run a progressive, positive campaign and turn, turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump <laughs> if, in fact, we get engaged in this circular firing squad here. The hashtag where is Joe was trending. We don't know where Joe is. He's barely been uh seen since super tuesday yeah he's basically gone into hiding uh even to the point that rachel maddow has like pled oh issued a public plea for him to come on her show which you think that that would be like standard i think bernie's doing like four or five media appearances uh you know this weekend because he is trying to win some fucking primaries on tuesday but Either way, I guess Joe Biden doesn't have to do that. Uh, He did do his appearance in St. Louis, Missouri, which we've been alluded to. Uh, There, he called himself an O'Biden-Bama Democrat. Here's the clip. So, folks, you want to nominate a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an O'Biden-Bama Democrat, join us. And then he also leaked that Kamala Harris is endorsing him, which had not been announced at the time that he said this. Here's the clip again. And by the way, to all of Amy's folks, to all of Pete's folks, to all of Kamala's folks, to all the folks who have Beto's folks, I tell you what, what a gigantic difference it's made. It's just great. It's just the decorum we love to see from the presidential candidate. Well, yeah, we talked about the next debate is going to be a seated old man affair, you know, like Joe can handle just going head to head with Bernie unless it's like these buffers where there's probably just going to be questions from the audience about like, oh, Joe, what's your favorite type of butter? (laughs) I'll tell you back when I was a kid, we had all kinds of butter, cows made of butter, butter uh, friends. Hairy legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because apparently they're not even going to be moderated. It's going to be like questions from the audience. It's just the most softball debate possible for Joe, knowing that a straight-up Biden-Bernie debate would be an absolute slaughter. I mean, let's be real here. I I think Bernie should honestly stand up in the debate, just as a power move. (laughs) Like, I I mean, people make hay of that and be like, oh, he's not respecting the rules of the debate. But, like, we hear endlessly about how Bernie is too old to run, but then— Biden, who is like barely a year older or younger than him, is also the one who is like apparently I mean, he's literally the one falling apart 
on live TV constantly, and we're forced. His to eye make- exploded his- on live TV. Yes, yeah, he had like that bloody eye and stuff. Like he looks like he's just fucking falling apart. I mean, this whole campaign is sort of elder abuse in a way, but but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just ridiculous that we have to make all these concessions for Biden and. Supposedly, the Biden campaign has has said that they did not actually ask for it to be a sit down debate. But part of me is like, you wouldn't need to ask. Like the DNC supports you and wants you to win, so they probably changed the rules preemptively. They may be telling the truth when they say that the um, you know, they we didn't ask for this sit down debate, but it doesn't matter. And Bernie's camp is totally opposed to the sit down debate because they take this shit seriously and because it's also a good way to show the contrast between the two. But the DNC is not allowing that to happen. Joe Biden's uh, surrogates are doing the work for him. They're all completely ridiculous. Uh, one of his staffers, this guy Amit Johnny, is a son of a, a Bharatiya Janata Party activist named Deepti Johnny. Um, that party is the party of Narendra Modi, the Hindu nationalist prime minister of India. Uh, in, currently in India, there are massive like pogroms being, you know carried out against muslim people the muslim minorities in many provinces in india and he is kind of he's sort of like a an indian trump and fueling this like you know nationalist uh you know pro-hindu sentiment and targeting minorities beyond that he's also got uh just this lady is such a fucking queen lindy lee who she apparently voted for bernie sanders in 2016 but there's this, there are these clips where she went on one on Al Jazeera with Mehdi Hassan. Uh, she said she's now Biden or bust. She said she would be equally traumatized by a Sanders presidency as a Trump presidency. She also defended Biden for lying about getting arrested in South Africa, claiming that everyone does this. Like, everyone lies and makes up bizarre stories that never happened about what you were doing in South Africa. Um, she refuses to say that Joe Biden is the establishment. She also even went, she went on, this is a really good clip. She went on Ben Shapiro's YouTube show to complain about Bernie bros. I mean, if you can imagine if any Bernie surrogate went on any kind of conservative outlet to complain about the supporters of a fellow candidate, there would be such an uproar about it. But this lady, I mean, she start starts off by saying that, uh, she received harassment from Bernie bros when she retweeted someone who was calling Bernie Sanders a quote, self loathing jew so something that's very fucked up to say and she went and retweeted it and then bernie bros were like hey that's not cool and she's like this is harassment yeah which is a fucking pattern like harassment equals just people telling you you're wrong and maybe stupid yeah in the clip she also says like oh most of my friends are jewish she says she goes to shabbat and then she supports israel so you know how could she be yeah who gives a shit oh i have black friends yeah Yeah, great (laughs) Uh, she's a joke yeah lastly uh that hillary rosen woman who you know tried to lecture nina turner about using the martin luther king quote about the white moderate yeah yeah she let's play that clip because it's really fucked up You know, Nina referenced um, Dr. Martin Luther King before saying that uh, he said from the Birmingham jail that we should be um, concerned about white moderates. That's actually not what Martin Luther King said. What he said is we should be worried about the silence of white moderates. What he kidding me? Nina? She's making a language point. What what he said was we should worry about the silence of white moderates. And what we have in Joe Biden is a man who is not silent. He, he has a long record, and many, many votes that in today's world 
feel like the wrong thing were the wrong thing. And he has discussed that over and over again, as Bernie Sanders did on the gun votes and other things. So we can be talking about votes from 20 years ago, or we can be talking about people's values and right. who they trust. Last quick and point. that's what Joe Biden's going to be talking Last about. Last quick point to you, Nina. What the Reverend Chris, what Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about, he said, it is the point that the white moderate wants things to be comfortable. And instead of focusing in on that, the bigger threat is not necessarily the white a KKK member, but more the white moderate that is more comfortable you with know keeping what? things don't, the same don't or pretending use, like there don't is Don't use no Martin Luther King against then, Joe then Biden. To deal. You, you don't first have all, that. Nobody, you don't have that standing. First of all, I'm Italy, sorry. You, you don't. don't. Don't tell me what kind of standing you, I have you, as a black woman in America. How dare you? You have a lot of standing as a black woman in America. You don't have the standing to attack Joe Biden using Martin Luther King's words. I didn't attack anybody. You're taking it. You're taking it that way. Listen, don't dip into what I have to say about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. How dare you, oh, as no, a no, white no. woman, I'm not sit here and try to tell me what I'm, Nina, I'm supposed Hillary, to do and what I'm doing right I'm now. I'm out of time on this. That's something, Chris, I didn't jump in on her, Nina, though. Well, and then she wants to jump in on me. Okay, first of all, it's not nobody jumping in on anybody. You guys are in the same party. This is what you guys have to figure out. You're in the same party. And let me tell you. You better keep that same energy when you're up against Trump that you have against each other, because he is bigger and badder than I think you guys are ready for. But let's agree on this about Dr. King. Only light can drive out dark. God, Nina Turner is incredible. She is. She puts up with so much bullshit all the time from people condescending to her. It's all. Yeah. And the way that Chris Cuomo joins in to kind of like you know say like hey both of you are being too loud or something like that and when chris cuomo as we've discussed is one of the dumbest people on network tv but um but yeah it's it's hilarious that hillary rosen believes that joe biden does not meet the muster of you know the white moderate described by martin luther king jr in his 1963 letter from birmingham jail she of course after lecturing uh Nina Turner went on to apologize on Twitter. She said, on air Thursday, I said my colleague Nina Turner didn't have standing to use MLK Jr. That was wrong. I am sorry for saying those words. Please, no need to defend me and attack angry black women. They have standing. I need to listen more than I talk. We rise together. And then, of course, she had to apologize for that. I think it's quite easy to see the disdain they have for a black woman who doesn't get in line with these like moderates fighting uh the entrenched power structures like they have no respect for nina turner at all yeah these are the people who are always like oh we have to listen to black women but unless they're saying things that we disagree with in which case you should berate them on tv it's really ridiculous and of course hillary rosen had to apologize for her apology tweet which is i love when that happens she said i'm horrified that anyone would think i would call nino turner an angry black woman i would never after the tv hit last night i was getting tons of ugly messages to keep fighting her using that phrase i was trying to tell people to stop because i knew i needed to apologize it's like what you did you literally did in the last tweet say uh that like you know, don't don't attack angry black women. All you needed, like, to uh, the only thing that was missing was you saying that, like, oh, uh, Nina Turner was the angry black woman that she's like talking about. I mean, like, it's it's a very bad apology. And I regret to inform you that Hillary Rosen has adopted two black kids. It's fucked up. Christ, it's bad. <laughs> All right, so to wrap things up, 
Biden is not electable. We need to talk to our parents. We need to talk to people at work. We need to mobilize. Look, it's a one versus one race. The delegate math is, you know, it's not. They're close. It's close right now. Yeah, Bernie can still totally, like, win this. Whether or not they pull some fuckery in the, you know, DNC is not something we can control. But what we can control is going out and volunteering and making sure that Bernie wins all the upcoming primaries that he can win. Joe is unelectable. Joe is senile. Text Joe to 3030. Let's put that in. I feel like I could just, if we stayed on, I could keep remembering different Biden gaffes because they're so uh, plentiful. Yeah, I, I mean, I know we didn't want to go as long on Joe Biden as we wanted to go on Elizabeth Warren because he's he's really kind of an easier target than she is. I mean, I was just kept finding more and more, remembering more and more things that he said within just like the last year and a half that are so ridiculous and uh and yeah, I mean, we definitely could go on, and I'm sure that after we drop this, there's going to be like a million more gaffes if they allow t- Biden on TV in the next few days. But I don't know. We got to rush this out because the primaries are coming in hot, and I don't know. People, the people need to know. They need to hear these clips. Yeah, we got to do our part. If you know, if we got a pod that uh, you know that talks about these things, we have to at least get get one out as soon as possible to just really hammer home the idea that we know to be true, that Joe Biden is not electable. Exactly. And I mean, many Sanders supporters will stay home and that's the reality. So deal with it and, you know, get Bernie to the finish line here. I agree. And I mean, after this, we'll start doing some more fun episodes as we alluded to last time, but we, we had to rush this one out and I don't know. Yeah. We didn't anticipate uh, doing another, another candidate episode, but here we are. All right, this is Hog Planet. I am Dan Spaventa. Follow me at Spaventacular, S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. And Sam, where can they follow you? You can follow me, as always, at W-A-G-S-T-A-N-K on Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, we gotta, we we had to get this one out. We're going to be doing more fun episodes after this, hopefully. But this was just so crucial. And honestly, it's it's pretty fucking funny to go through all of Joe Biden's gaps. If it wasn't for the urgency of the fact that he is going, to, he is likely at this point going to be the nominee, and all of this oppo that we just did is going to hit him like a freight train because the Democrats are really obscuring all this bad stuff about Joe Biden so that he can beat Bernie Sanders, it's going to hit him like a freight train when he has to go 1v1 against Trump. Trump and the Fox News people are already picking up all of his gaffes and like weird things he says and turning it into memes. And they've been doing that for a while, but I've seen a noticeable ramp up since Joe became the front runner. And it's going to be a real disaster when people who haven't been reckoning with all this stuff are going to have to defend him all of a sudden against Donald Trump, who is going to take the lowest blows possible. And unfortunately, a lot of them are also going to be funny. It's going to be funny when he goes in on Joe Biden. Yeah. And Joe Biden, absolutely a hog. (laughs) I can think of a bunch of reasons, but let's just say, because I got those hairy legs. (laughs) Anything else? No, I think we did it. This is Hog Planet. If I wasn't stupid, I'd just stop right now. (laughs) Holy mackerel.